Welcome to Upon Reflection, a podcast about reasoning, well-being, and technology. I'm Nick Bird. I study the philosophy of cognitive science and the cognitive science of philosophy. In this episode, I read my 2021 paper in Lagoy titled, On Second Thought, Libet-Style Unreflective Intentions May Be Compatible with Free Will. Imagine if I could predict your behavior before you even became aware of your intention to behave that way. Would this mean that you don't have free will? I used to think so. In this paper, I explain why I was wrong. I was relying on magical thinking. As always, free preprints of my papers are available on my CV at birdnick.com forward slash CV under the heading publications. This podcast is sponsored by DataCamp. DataCamp helps you make better use of data. You can build data skills online while learning from the world's top data scientists. Find out more at datacamp.pxf.io forward slash bird. That's datacamp.pxf.io forward slash byrd. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at bird underscore Nick or on Facebook at birdnick, one word. Or you can find me on the other platforms. Comments and questions can be submitted at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And, of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it, online, in person, or in a review. On second thought, Libet-style unreflective intentions may be compatible with free will. Nick Bird. Abstract. Some have argued that our sense of free will is an illusion, and some base this free will skepticism on claims about when we become consciously aware of our intentions. Evidence suggests that unreflective intentions form before we're conscious of them, and that this is supposed to challenge our sense of free will. This inference from unreflective intention to free will skepticism may seem intuitive at first. However, upon reflection, the argument for this view seems to entail a magical view of free will. So, insofar as free will does not require magic, unreflective intentions do not necessarily undermine our sense of free will. Epigraph If the act-now process is initiated unconsciously, then conscious free will is not doing it. Benjamin Libet. Suppose you're scrolling through a feed of your favorite online content. You're not necessarily keeping track of time, but you are consciously and deliberately deciding what to look at, read, tap, and swipe. In other words, you are intentionally engaging with some contents of the feed and skipping other contents of the feed. Now suppose you're doing this while neuroscientists are recording your brain activity. Eventually, the neuroscientists are familiar enough with your brain activity and behavior that they can predict your looking, tapping, and swiping before you're even aware of your intention to look, tap, or swipe. Would these predictions undermine your sense of free will? Some have argued that our sense of free will is an illusion, and some base this free will skepticism on claims about unreflective intentions that form before we're conscious of them. This inference from unreflective intentions to free will skepticism may seem intuitive, If I'm free to form my own intentions, then I should be conscious of them as soon as I form them. So if I am conscious of my intentions only after they form, then I seem unable to form my own intentions. I found this kind of argument intuitively plausible at first. However, upon reflection, 
I think that this argument might entail a magical view of free will. Thus, if free will doesn't require magic, then unreflective intentions do not necessarily threaten free will. Evidence The opening thought experiment is the 21st century version of real studies conducted by researchers like Benjamin Libet. In Libet-style studies, participants are instructed to do something with their hand, such as raise a finger, tap a button, flex their wrist, etc. They could do this whenever they want. While participants are deciding what and when to move their hand, they're watching a clock-like device so that they can remember the moment that they were first aware of their intention to make the wrist movement. Throughout the study, researchers are recording the activity of participants' hands and brains. After a participant decides to do something with their hand, the researchers ask the participant to point to the location on the clock at which they became aware of their intention to do something with their hand. So, the researchers end up with data about the timing of brain activity, hand activity, and participants' awareness of their intentions to do something with their hand. With these data, researchers have claimed that they can predict whether participants will move their hands before the participant remembered being aware of their intention. The trick is a particular pattern of brain activity that reliably precedes not only participants' hand movement, but their awareness of an intention to move their hand. Many have found this a provocative result, perhaps because of provocative remarks from Libet himself. Quote, We do not hold people responsible for actions performed unconsciously without the possibility of conscious control. Why then should an act unconsciously developed over which we have no conscious control be regarded as an act of free will? End quote. Many studies like Libet's have been conducted, and researchers often claim to be able to predict voluntary actions before people are consciously aware of their intention to act. Some take this evidence about the order of brain activity and intention awareness as grounds for thinking that our sense of conscious free will is illusory. Quote, the brain started first, followed by the experience of conscious will, and finally followed by action. End quote. Of course, you may not be convinced. You may reject the scientist's explications of intention, provide an alternative explanation of the data, or question the connection between Libet-style protocols and free will more generally. However, suppose you grant the provocative result and its supposed implication. We're not aware of intentions until after intention formation has occurred in our brain. Does that undermine free will? In the past, I thought that it might. However, after more reflection, I'm less convinced. And what remains, I'll explain my change of mind. Unreflective Intentions one interpretation of Libet-style results is that people are not consciously aware of their intentions until after their intentions form. Following standard explications of reflective cognition as both deliberate and conscious, this would mean that intention formation can be unreflective. It might even mean that intentions themselves can be unreflective. This may seem odd to some. As Elizabeth Pacheret tells us, quote, Many philosophers hold the view that if we do something intentionally, we must be aware of what we are doing. Therefore, they consider it of the essence of intentions to be conscious, end quote. However, many philosophers and cognitive scientists are untroubled by unreflective intentions. Consider just a handful of examples. Quote, bad faith involves a conflict between reflective volition or will and unreflective intention, end quote. Try understanding unreflective intentions. Just as one may unreflectively yet intentionally avoid sitting in a position that is uncomfortable without ever reflecting on that uncomfortable position, so too one may unreflectively yet intentionally avoid an uncomfortable venture into reflection without ever reflecting on the sources of that discomfort. End quote. Quote, 
The goal-directed behavior specified in an implementation intention is triggered without conscious intent once the critical situation context is encountered, end quote. Quote, if many proximal intentions produce actions without the intention showing up in consciousness, this is not a terribly surprising result, end quote. Argument. So how might the existence of unconscious intentions challenge some notions of free will? The idea seems to be that if the actual causes of intended behavior are unreflective, then our intended behavior is not free. The premises of this kind of unfree-because-unreflective argument can take a few forms. Consider one. Premise one. I'm not consciously aware of my intentions as or before they form. Premise two. If I am not consciously aware of intentions as or before they form, then intentions occur unreflectively. This just follows from our definition of reflective. Premise three. If intentions occur unreflectively, then whatever actions result from the intentions are not free. Therefore, my intentional actions are not free. These premises may seem intuitively plausible, especially if you share the free will skeptic's intuition about Libet-style cases of unreflective intention. However, consider some of the hitherto hidden features of the unfree-because-unreflective argument. The free will skeptic's implication. If I'm unaware of intentions as or before they form, then whatever actions result from the intention are not free. This just follows from premise 2 and premise 3. The neuroscience assumption. Intentions can be identified by certain patterns of neural activity. The temporal observation. The neural correlates of our intentions occur prior to our awareness of our intentions. The temporal observation is central to the free will skepticism that is motivated by a lack of self-conscious awareness. If we are to reinvigorate free will from the unfree-because-unreflective argument, then this may be the premise to attack. However, I will not dispute the temporal observation. By the end of this paper, it should be clear that free will may be unscathed by the temporal observation. We might also be suspicious of the neuroscience assumption. For example, we may find ourselves wanting to know precisely why it is intention as opposed to some other phenomena that neuroscientists are monitoring during Libet-style studies. However, I cannot resolve that suspicion in the space remaining. Fortunately for the friend of free will, we may not satisfy this curiosity, so I will grant the neuroscience assumption. This leaves us with the free will skeptic's implication. The point I want to make is that even if we grant the neuroscience assumption and the temporal observation, it's not clear why we should accept the free will skeptic's implication. And if we reject the free will skeptic's implication, then we may be able to reject the unfree because unreflective argument. After all, the free will skeptic's implication is a direct consequences of two premises in the unfree because unreflective argument. Reframe and reflection. Consider the third personal frame of the Libet-style study. A researcher can detect our intention before we do. Third personal prediction of our behavior may be crucial to the intuition that we lack free will, especially if this prediction comes from neuroscientists. But how might our intuition change if we reframe Libet-style studies to focus on our own perspective? Rather than ask when a researcher should be able to detect our intention, we can ask when we should be able to detect our intention. Should we be aware of our intention before it forms? As soon as it forms? Later? When I reframe the Libet-style studies first personally, I find that my initial free will skeptic intuition flips. I become much less concerned about the fact that I may be aware of my intentions only after they form. In case it's not entirely clear why the new frame results in a new intuition, allow me to explain. New frame. We agree that our mental activity corresponds to brain activity. 
to deny that would be to deny the motivation for cognitive science altogether. So when I form an intention, my brain does something. And when I become aware of my intention, my brain does another thing. So just as our intentions precede our awareness thereof, the brain activities corresponding to our intentions precede the brain activities corresponding to our awareness of the intention. This is only natural. The neural correlates of my intentions must precede my awareness of the intentions and, therefore, the neural correlates of that awareness. My awareness cannot precede its corresponding brain activity. To suggest otherwise would be to reject the correspondence between mental activity and brain activity that motivates studies like Libet's. New intuition. After reframing the Libet-style studies in terms of my ability to detect my own intentions, my sense of free will no longer feels threatened. It seems utterly unsurprising that my awareness of my intentions occurs after my intention and its corresponding brain activity. Think about the causation involved in free action. Becoming aware of an intention must be causally downstream of, among other things, the existence of that intention. So, intention-forming brain activity must occur before downstream awareness of intention. How could I have rationally expected otherwise? So, which intuition is better, my prior intuition or my new intuition? Well, one unforgivable problem with my prior intuition is that it seemed to imply some sort of magical thinking. My prior intuition involved a notion of free will according to which I could become aware of my intention before it existed. Conclusion If my new intuition is right, then one or more premises of the unfree because unconscious argument are false, which reinvigorates the possibility that our intentional actions can be free even if the original intention is unreflective at first. And this makes good sense. The unfolding of Libet-style cases is unsurprising from the first-person sense of free will. After all, when I intend to do something, become aware of this intention, and then do it, the conditions for my notions of free will seem to be satisfied. So if we find that intentions form pre-reflectively, such observations may be entirely compatible with free will. Indeed, unreflective intentions have been a staple in philosophers' notions of free choice and will both before and after the time of Libet's studies. Quote, For Sartre, unreflective intention is the direct expression of original choice. Unquote. Quote, We can see implicit licensing of the will in our unreflective intentions in that we can and do stop forming them whenever we become aware of or think there are features of our circumstances that may provide us with reasons against these intentions or stronger reasons for other competing intentions. End quote. In fact, it is this latter ability to cancel unreflective intentions that prevented Libet from rejecting free will. Quote, the volitional process is initiated unconsciously, but the conscious function could still veto the act. Free will is therefore not excluded. End quote. This podcast is sponsored by DataCamp. DataCamp helps you make better use of data. You can build data skills online while learning from the world's top data scientists. Find out more at datacamp.pxf.io forward slash bird. That's datacamp.pxf.io forward slash BYRD. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also find out more about me and my research at my website, birdnick.com. 
on Twitter at bird underscore Nick or on Facebook at birdnick, one word. If you have suggestions or questions for the podcast, you can submit them at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it online, in person, or in your review. Thanks. Music for the Upon Reflection podcast is produced by me on GarageBand. All of my music is shareable under a Creative Commons license. You can find more of my music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash birdnick.